0: Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake, you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Man, it sure is fun having Mac up here. Uh, But I got to tell you... I'm good with my two. I've got two kids, and we're going to stick to man-to-man defense, and that's great. But this morning, I want to kind of share with you uh, a little bit of honesty and vulnerability, transparency, if you will. Uh, If you come to the bridge long enough, you'll see that I just kind of try to keep it as authentic as possible. And so this morning, I'm going to tell you about the time I found out I was a dad, okay? It was quite the experience. Meg, my wife... First of all, she lied to me. I don't know if she's in here, but she lied to me. She's like, hey, I need to go run some errands. And I was like, okay, sounds good. It was a Saturday morning. I had a whole lot of plans to do a whole lot of nothing. I had my sweats on. I had a baggy sweatshirt on. My hair was four different directions, and I had no desire of changing it whatsoever. Uh, and so I was excited just to spend the rest of the day playing video games. Can I just say that's okay? Playing video, some some of our teams are like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Playing video games all day long. And I'm just like, I can't wait. Life is good. I got no plans. This is just awesome. And so Meg opens the door to her apartment. She's got like the biggest grin on her face I have ever seen. She's like, I'm like what did I miss, okay? Like, what happened? Because you're really, really happy. And she had a a little bag in her hand, like a little present. I'm going, sweet. Like, presents are always good. I'm always a big fan of presents. So she brought this present into me. And mind you, I'm in the middle of a game right now. So I got my my headphones one one ear off. I'm kind of half paying attention to her. And she goes, and she hands me this bag. And I'm like, perfect, perfect. Presents are always good. So I open I open this bag, and there's a piece of paper from a line of health. And I go, I don't get it. <laughs> like, like, I don't, I don't get what, what, what I'm reading right now. And then I reach into the bag, and I pull out two pregnancy tests, both saying positive, right? And this is where you have the social media videos of the dads going, yeah, you know, and, and hugging and all that good stuff. But can I tell you, my immediate thought was, what have we done? <laughs> like, like my first thought was like, um, I'm gonna be a dad. I'm not ready for this. Like, like how are we gonna pay for the thing? Who's gonna change the thing? How are we gonna survive? All these parents have been telling me like, just wait till you have kids and your life is over. And I'm like, our life is over. Like, like how are we possibly in the world going to make this happen? Like, I wanted in the worst worry to be like, yay. But I, at, the, at the same time, I'm like, no! Okay, like, I'm like, what in the world are we going to do? Now, come in full circle, after it sunk in, like, and I got past that initial part of fear, it was kind of that moment of like, okay, this is amazing. I'm going to be a dad. I'm so excited for this. Like, it, it was not one of those things where we actually dreaded it, but there is that moment when you find out you're going to be a parent that there is, at least for me, there was that initial panic moment of like, Whew, I need to get some air, I need to go outside or do something because I don't know what in the world I'm going to do. And I got to tell you from that experience that as crazy as it was, I am so glad I got past the fear because having my now two kids has been one of the greatest adventures of my entire life, to see the joy that comes out, the personality that comes out. Uh, And my two kids are about as different and opposite as you can possibly Um, I'm telling you, I apologize in advance if my daughter Parker ever just like slaps you because she is terrifying. She's got personality, like, and unfortunately, she's got her dad wrapped around her finger. But being a parent has been one of the craziest, initially scariest, but most life-giving things I have ever possibly put my life to. And I got to tell you, as we talk about stranger things, if you're new here to the bridge, welcome I'm always this loud, I promise. Um, I apologize in advance. But we've been in this sermon series called Stranger Things, which is all about the Holy Spirit. And why I think it's so important for us to talk about the Holy Spirit is because the Holy Spirit is integral to everything we do as a life of faith. But if I'm going to be really honest with all of us this morning. I really believe that when it comes to our first initial experience with the Holy Spirit, our first conversation with the Holy Spirit, a lot of times it feels like how I felt when I found out we were pregnant. There's, a, little, there's a, lot, a whole lot of uncertainty. There's a whole lot of like, I'm not sure how this works. I don't know if I want to buy into that. I don't know if I'm good with this. I don't like this. Yet at the same time, I think when we come to a full understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and who he is in our life, it truly does change us it changes who we are and so this morning i want us to just finish up this sermon series if you are visiting with us um we've we're in a three-part series so the first part was who is the holy spirit quite simply he's god like he is the same god as jesus he's the same god as god the father but the holy spirit is a little bit harder to wrap our head around right like god the father is one of those people where we can hear we can visual big long beard up in heaven jesus Another sweet beard uh, that I wish I could grow, but I can't. And so there's that Jesus that we can picture and kind of manifest and and have that that type of thing. But the Holy Spirit is one that we just really have a tough time wrapping our heads around. So the first part was, who's the Holy Spirit? He's God. But the second part was, why? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Because if you go to a different church, if you go to various different churches, they have different experiences of the Holy Spirit. Some churches will say, oh yeah, we don't believe the Holy Spirit anymore. We believe that that was for a different time, a different age. Then you go to a different church and they're doing some really funky things with the Holy Spirit. And there's everything in between. So last week we talked about why is the Holy Spirit important? But this Sunday, I'm gonna wrap it up with how. How? Because I don't know if there's anyone else in here, but I like practice, right? Like I like to know, okay, actually, I I hear what you're saying, man. I hear what you're doing, but just tell me what to do, okay? I don't need the whole oral history about why the wheel was once a square and then a triangle and then a circle and why the lug nut's important. Just tell me how to change a tire, okay? Step one is grab the wrench. Step two is put the tire on there, so on and so forth. And so this morning, if you guys are okay with it, I'm going to get really, really practical. Are we good with that this morning? perfect. All right. So how in the world do we handle the Holy Spirit? How do we live a life? How do we have this active living engagement with it? What does it like feel like? like does God just come in and just take over? Or like, what does this look like? How does the Holy Spirit move in our lives? And the short answer is lots of ways. Like a lot of ways. I could spend the whole rest of this message, the whole rest of this week explaining individually how the Holy Spirit works. But to make it really simple, the Holy Spirit moves in some really big ways sometimes, big ways in which you are just praying, you're sitting in the hospital room, you're sitting just waiting for the, for the verdict of, yes, you're going to make it, or no, we have to figure something out, and you're praying and praying and praying and praying, and God moves in a really, really big way. But there are also those ways in which God, the Holy Spirit moves in small, subtle ways, the types of ways where you're just like driving down the road. You're just thinking about that one person that you really are estranged from, and you're just praying that God would just continue to mend that relationship. And all of a sudden, just maybe it's a day later, maybe it's an hour later, maybe it's within five minutes, and all of a sudden that person reaches out to you and goes, Hey, can we grab a cup of coffee? Hey, can we get together? We got a chat. Big ways, subtle ways, everything in between. There are endless ways in which the Holy Spirit moves. But today I want to show you practically how he moves in a really, really big way in Acts chapter 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all of his family were devout, God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. And the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. Okay, Cornelius, sweet name, great name. But Cornelius, at this time, names were very indicative of you were and where you're from. So Cornelius tells us that he was a Gentile. Gentile just basically means that he was not Jewish. And as such, a lot of times, like, you find that Jesus interacted with Jews and Gentiles, but he really kind of gave this commission, like, go and preach to the Jews. And so Cornelius was a great man, but he was a Gentile. We see that he was a God-fearing man, which meant he had morals, which means he loved who God was. He lived his life for God. So much so that we find out he was a generous man. He gave. He gave to the temple. He gave to the church. He gave unto God. He was generous. He prayed often. We find that in here, that he was praying often. He was in direct communication with God, but there was still something missing. Did you catch that? Like there there's one of those things where He was saying, hey, I know you're a good man. I know you love God. I've seen your offerings. I've seen how generous you are. I hear how much you pray. I hear all all that good stuff you do. That's great. That's awesome. Keep going. But Cornelius, um, I need you to go and get a man named Peter. I need you to go and get him. He's staying at this house. Really, really crazy thing. We see that literally the angel is down there talking to him. It's this crazy, crazy experience. Yeah, which I think what is also really, really cool, as this is happening, God's also talking to Peter, who's miles and miles and miles away. And Peter goes up on the rooftop, and he's praying as he does every single day, and he's praying to God, and God gives him this vision. And it's a really complex vision. We could talk about it at a later time. But basically what he's saying in this vision is, hey... I need you to now preach to the Gentiles. I need you to go and tell people about me to all people. So here's what's happening in verse 19 of Acts chapter 10. Check this out. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up, go downstairs, and don't hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. I think what's so hard for the Bible is when you know the end, when you know what happens at the end, we don't read it like as it's really happening. Because like, can you imagine this? You're Peter. You're having a great Saturday morning. Like I was that one day when I'm playing video games. Life is good. Life is great. No problems, right? And all of a sudden you're praying and God says, hey, um, I need you to do something for me. I need you to, uh, to there's going to be three massive buff Dudes with weapons that are coming to your house, just go with them, okay? Like, like we don't think about that when we're reading this story, but this would be terrifying for Peter. Peter just going about his business, and all of a sudden he he has his vision, and God says, hey, go with the three men that are gonna be coming to your house. And with that, can you imagine that? Like, that'd be terrifying and cool at the same time. Like, cool, God, that you're not joking. So what happens here is in Acts chapter 10, Peter is just doing his thing. This all goes down. And in verse 21, we read this. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the Centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask to come to us, to your house, so that he could hear what you have to say. Peter had no idea why they were there. Peter had no idea what he was called to do. All he knew is that God said, hey, I want you to go with them. He had no time to prep. He had no time to figure out what was happening. He just point blank asked them, why are you here? And they downloaded it for him. I think a lot of times in life, God asks us to do things that we don't know the full picture of. A lot of times God's saying, hey, I want you to step into something that you're uncomfortable with. I want you to step into something that maybe doesn't give you the good hope, feelies, just give you like the good comforts, like I'm safe here. And because we don't see the full picture, we don't step into what God's calling us to do. Because the control freak in us, present company included, I'm not a risk taker, okay? I just don't like risk. I like to know what's the cost analysis What's going to possibly happen to me if everything goes wrong? Like some people are like glass half full. I'm like no glass at all, right? Because it's so empty because I want to know like what kind of glass is it? What kind of water are you pouring in my glass? I like to know what this is looking like before I even step into it. So if I'm Peter and I'm just enjoying my Saturday morning and God's saying, hey, just go with them. I'll tell you the details later. I would struggle with that. I would really, really struggle with that because it's intimidating to step into what God's calling you to do when you don't know the full picture. So in verse 27, we read this. While talking with him, Peter went inside, found a large gathering of people, and he said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. I'm gonna pause right there. Peter leaves his house with these three soldiers, goes to another house where they, all these people are staying, still unaware of what's happening, still unaware of why he's there, and he steps into this house, and there's a whole living room of people waiting for him, a whole living room of people who are just saying, hey, welcome, we don't know you, but God told us that you should come here, so want some bread? You know, like, if this is really, really weird experience, and so Peter steps into it, and the first thing out of his mouth is, hey, just so you know, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm a Jew, you're a Gentile, and so it's actually against our law to be here with you, but God called me to be here. God told me I was supposed to come and be with you right here and right now. And then we continue in verse 28. God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean, so when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection May I ask why you sent for me? Everyone in the room is unsure of what's happening. All the people in the room know is that, hey, God said to Cornelius, go get Peter. And all Peter knows is um, go to these people with Cornelius. So they all have this moment where they're just unsure of what's going on and what's happening. But as Peter begins to step into and kind of gets the full picture, he starts to just preach who Jesus is. He starts to just say, hey, um, I'm here uh, because God told me to. And I'm here because God said, no longer are are you people unclean, the Gentiles. God's love is for everybody. Jesus' love is for everybody. He talked about who Jesus was, how he came, and he died for all of us. And it's this really, really powerful moment. But where we, in the 21st century, 22nd century, whatever century it is, why it's important to us is right here in Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. How does the Holy Spirit move in our life? How does the Holy Spirit do something new and exciting? By conjoining our natural abilities with supernatural intervention. How does the Holy Spirit move in your life? How does he do something new and fresh? By taking who you are and just doing something supernatural through you. Last sermons here that I talked about in Psalm 139 that God says you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Believe it or not, God made you exactly how you are supposed to be. Your height, your personality, the things that bug you, the things that irritate you, the things that you're really, really good at. God so intentionally and uniquely created you for that reason. Fearfully and wonderfully made. If I were to translate that, he made you perfectly exactly how you are meant to be and then in esther we see another book of the bible the, the the queen says this you were put on this earth for such a time as this if you ever doubt your purpose if you ever doubt your significance in this role, i want you to understand this god in his infinite wisdom who knows everything all the time he made you with certain personalities certain attributes certain gifts certain quirks Everything about you, God made you distinctly and uniquely and put you on this earth, in this geographic area, on this time for a purpose. He could have picked any time, any place, anywhere, but he chose to create you and me for right here and right now. So instead of doubting who we are, instead of doubting what's happening, we have to understand that God is trying to conjoin what he's naturally already put inside of us to partner with his powerful work through the Holy Spirit. I know the Holy Spirit for some of us is brand new. You're like, I don't even get what you're saying, man. Like I just came here to church and I'm brand new to this whole thing. I'm not sure what all this is looking like. You're speaking gibberish to me, but here's what I'll say really, really simple. God is up in heaven Jesus, his son, who died for you and gave you a fresh start is sitting next to him. But God cares about you and me so much that God, through the Holy Spirit, is actually living inside of us right now, right here. And his desire is for us to be able to go, you know what? I created you a certain way. I want to partner with you to impact the world. I want to do something new and fresh inside of you. So when the Holy Spirit is moving inside of you, it's not this complete overhaul. It's not this complete just taking the wheel like your dad does when you're 15 years old and you're about to go into the ditch. Like the Holy Spirit is partnering with you, not overtaking you. What do I mean by that? Peter was on the roof and he said, hey, I want you to go to the house of Cornelius. He didn't say, hey, Peter, you're going to Cornelius Grab him and yank him over there. He said, hey, I want you to go and do something that is a foreign to you. I want you to go and do something that's outside of your comfort zone. I want you to do this. But Peter still had a choice. Peter could have said, ah, No. I don't know this guy. There's three buff soldiers here that probably could snap me over their leg 10 times over and who knows if they're going to even get me there. How long this is not a trap, God? I don't know how I feel about this. He had a choice. He could have went or he could have not. In the same way, you have a choice. When God's calling you to do something, you have a choice to say yes or say no. But here's what I want us to see is that if Peter said no, It wasn't just Peter who was impacted. It was an entire house that had a radical experience with God because of him saying yes. So why do we need the Holy Spirit? Yes, it's direct access to God. Yes, it allows us to be tuned into who he is exactly and distinctly. But the Holy Spirit, why it's super, super integral to us is because the Holy Spirit will naturally help us reach other people you'll discover that the Holy Spirit is one of those things that's not just meant for us, it's meant for somebody else, okay? So let me, let me paint it this way. When I graduated high school, I got one of the world's greatest presents. And I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you, my dad's in the room right now. I kind of I t- put this story into my mess before my dad was even here. This is not me just buttering him up so he buys me free lunch. Like this is a story I put in there before. Uh, so just know that, but my dad want to spoil me for all of my hard work in high school. Um, I'll just tell you that. It's not because he liked me more. It's because I just got better grades than my sister. Right, Dad? Right on. <laughs> if you're watching, sis, I love you. Beat you, right? But oh, my dad, he was like, something my dad and I, if you know about us, something that we love to do is duck hunting. It's the thing that we look forward to Every single year. He's been taking me since I was five years old. It's something we bond over. It's something we look forward to because life gets crazy and they live an hour away, which is not that far, but life is crazy. And so we look forward to duck hunting every single year. So when I was 18, I graduated high school. My dad bought me my dream shotgun the shotgun that i looked forward to the shotgun i would research the shotgun that i shoot to this day and every time i think of i put it to my shoulder it just fits perfectly it's awesome but that first summer i got my shotgun every single day i would pull the manufacturing box out from underneath my bed open it and go That's nice, right? Like, like I love this shotgun. It was awesome. Every single day, I'd open the box, put it together. This is nice. And then dismantle it, put it back in the box, and push it away. Now, summer goes on, and we go trap shooting. In August, we're getting ready for duck season. So what do I do? I grab the box, the manufacturing box, the white box that just says Beretta on the front of it, and I just don't put it in my gun case. I just take the whole box. And just bring it to go shooting with us and my extra shotgun. And so we were going trap shooting. And what do I do? I pull out my old shotgun, right? Because I wanted to shoot that one. My dad's like, what the heck are you doing? Like, why aren't you shooting your new gun? <laughs> I'm not proud of this, but um, I just said, I didn't want to get it dirty. I didn't, I, I didn't want to put any scuffs in it. I didn't want to get it all full of gunpowder, right? I didn't want to do that, which sounds insane, right? It's a shotgun. It's meant to be shot. It's meant to be used. If you know what that thing has seen in the last six, eight, ten years, you'd be like, you've come a long way. Sometimes I feel like I might just eject the shells and use that as an oar every once in a while because we're stuck. Like the thing has been through so much different stuff since then. But what I think is so funny is I was so nervous of using this gift because I didn't want to wreck it. I didn't want it to get scuffed. I didn't want to pull out the shotgun and put a a mark in it because I didn't want it to get wrecked. Even though its intended purpose was to literally just be tossed around and for a distinct purpose of getting dirty and being used. But how many times do we use the gift of the Holy Spirit in the same way? We're scared to step into it. We're scared to screw it up. We're scared to operate in the Holy Spirit because we don't get it. We don't know it. We're not sure of what's going to happen. But the problem is in the same way as if I didn't use my shotgun for its intended purpose, it would never fulfill what it was called to do. The Holy Spirit is the same way. If we don't actually operate and work in the Holy Spirit, it's not going to be for its intended use. the Holy Spirit is a gift to us for us to help other people. You're gonna find out really quick, something we're passionate about at this church is we love God with all of our heart. We love what God's doing, but at the same time, because we love him, that vertical love translates into horizontal love as well. We want everyone who walks through our church doors, whether it's one time or whether it's 1,000 times, we want them to feel loved. We want them to feel accepted. We want them to know that they're loved and cared about. Same way with our community. It's why we're in the school. That's why we're doing what we're doing because we want people to know they are loved and cared for. But if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to work through us, we're not going to be as effective and not be able to love as well as we want to. And here's how we do it. First Corinthians chapter 12. Here's the really, really practical part of this entire message. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. We live in a world with 7 billion people with different needs, different circumstances, different seasons of life, and God knows what every single one of those seven billion needs all the time. And instead of just dropping miracles out of the sky, he's giving us the ability to have different gifts, different personalities to help meet those needs through Jesus' work. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it says this, Now to each one of the manifestations of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given the Spirit of a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith, to another gifts of healing, to another miraculous powers; to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking different tongues. There's all of these different gifts of the Holy Spirit, and God desires to use them in a really, really practical way. So I'm going to break this down really practical because, again, I'm a list guy. Lists are good, right? Lists are really, really good. I have my wife make me one every day of chores I need to do. She's awesome. He's asking, awesome. Hey, no, but the gift of wisdom, here's what we got. The gift of wisdom is that God will give us wisdom for a certain circumstance, a certain situation that we don't possibly have before. It's not just like, hey, this person's really smart, this person's really wise. This is a gift of supernatural wisdom. The next one is Knowledge. What's really cool with the gift of knowledge is that knowledge actually helps God drop things into you that you didn't possibly know before. So when it says the gift of knowledge, there's been times when you're praying and all of a sudden God says, Hey, this person's going through something really, really intense, really, really tough. Would you pray with him about this? Faith is when you have that supernatural, crazy amount of faith. Like you're just, there are some people are really, really good at faith. Some people have a lot of faith, but there are other people who you might be facing an impossible situation, something that's really, really difficult. Then you have this crazy, supernatural faith, the gift of healing. Some people can pray for others that are going through something, and all of a sudden now they can feel healed and have all this crazy stuff. Miracles, prophecy, tongues, there's all these exhaustive lists of gifts That we can possibly have, and if you go through something at the church called Growth Track, we kind of talk about each of them specifically. But the reason each of these is important is because that God desires to help people through these gifts. There are times in which all of a sudden you'll be with a coworker, you'll be with someone on the street, and you'll just be praying, "God, would you help me just be there for them?" And all of a sudden, you'll have this like little stirring in your spirit that kind of says, "Hey." Just pray for this specific thing. It's not like, hey, this person, this is their name, this is what's going on, this is what they're going through. It's nothing like that, but there are times when you're praying with somebody and all of a sudden you'll just go, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for this, because it's the Holy Spirit inside of you saying, hey, I know them, I know what they're going through, and I want to show them that I am real and active and alive. Same thing with healing. There are times we've been at camps. There are times we've been at retreats. There have been times we've just been in church and all of a sudden we just pray for something. Hey, I'm going into the doctor tomorrow and I've had this problem with my eye. I've had this problem with my kidneys. I've had this problem that's been very, very chronic. Would you just Pray with me. Would you just do? Like, just sit here and pray, and we get to pray. And can I just say, I'll, sometimes God heals through medicine, okay? I'm not one of those people who says, like, oh, we're just going to pray and just believe it all goes away because sometimes it happens, but sometimes it doesn't. God gifted doctors and therapists and counselors for a reason. To God can heal you in very, very practical ways that way. Yet at the same time, the Holy Spirit is able to just go in and heal you in a really, really miraculous and powerful way as well. There have been times we've been literally had this person who had a really, really chronic problem with their eye. And so we just prayed that God would just heal him and make it better. And all of a sudden, they go to the doctor. And the doctor does their scans. And they get the results. And they go, you got to come in. The person goes in. And they go, what in the world is going on? And they sit down. And they say, we don't know how to tell you this, but um, the scan's clear. I don't know how it happened. There's no logical reason for this. All I can tell you is that there's, it, it must have been a miracle. You can't tell me the coincidence like that, that just happened. You can't tell me that the Holy Spirit can't just do powerful and really, really cool things like that. But what's so important for us is as the church is to not seek the gifts, but to seek the giver. Seek who God is and what he's called us to do. So I want to end with this. I'm going to get you guys out of here early today, if that works for you, because I am sweaty up here right now. It is hot in here. It's not supposed to be 70 degrees in the middle of October. Here's what I want to end with. I know that the Holy Spirit is something that is brand new to a lot of us. I know the Holy Spirit is something maybe we're not super, super familiar with. Again, some of us maybe walked into this church for the very first time, and you're going, I don't know if this is the place for me. I don't know if I'm even supposed to be here. I don't even know why I'm here in general. But the Holy Spirit is one of those things that God Himself is inside of you right here and right now. And the Holy Spirit desires to know you and to be known by you. So why we are here, why we are talking about the Holy Spirit, I get this is a super, super deep series. I get this is one of those things where it's like, I don't get it. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why we're talking about this, but we're going to talk about it because the Holy Spirit needs to work in us and be there for us. And so can I just tell you how, God, how the Holy Spirit's worked in my life before? Because again, this is not one of those things I just want to just download to. This is not just one of those things where it's like, I just want to tell you why this is important you're sitting here. I don't get how this is happening, but here's how the Holy Spirit has worked in my life. Here is how this happened. is When I was 12, 13 years old, I had a belief in God. I believed that, yes, he was real. I believed that all this stuff was happening. Yes, I had a belief in God, but I didn't have an active living relationship with him. I didn't. And so uh, what happened is the Holy Spirit, far before I even got to this point, gave a pastor a dream and a vision 12 years before that and said, hey, I want you to plant a church in Sertel. I want you to be able to go to a brand new community, plant a brand new church, and have a life-giving church in this community. So that before I even got to Sertel, where I'm from, there was a vision for me to be able to do that. And so 12 years later, after this church is established, after this thing is happening, God brings me into this church by a circumstance that I couldn't possibly imagine. And so here I am, I'm in this church, and the Holy Spirit, thanks to, thanks to the Holy Spirit, this guy had planted a church. And so now I'm walking into this church for the very first time, and I've got doubts, I've got questions, I've got all these things that I've gone rolling through my head. But someone else gave this person the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of encouragement, the gift of hospitality, so that when I walked into this church for the first time, I had doubts, I had questions, but this person was gifted just making me feel welcomed and making me feel at home to the spot where I could actually feel like I could sit in there and enjoy the service. Weeks later... The Holy Spirit gives this person a gift of preaching and teaching in a way that I can hear the Bible taught in a way that really, really makes sense. A way that is relevant, a way that is real, a way that I'm like, oh, I get this now. To the point where I say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to believe in you. I had a belief in you before, but I want a relationship with you. I want to feel you. I want to know you. The Holy Spirit began to stir my heart in a powerful, powerful way. Fast forward a few years, the Holy Spirit begins to give my youth pastor the gift of teaching and the gift of discipleship to the spot where I would, he'd bring me over and we'd have pizza, we'd watch wild games, we'd have all kinds of fun, we'd go golfing, we'd do all that good stuff. But when we sat down together, he began to teach me about who Jesus was in a really practical, powerful way to where I said, you know what, I'm going to now be able to read the Bible for myself, pray for myself, I started to feel like I was growing closer to God. And over and over and over, the Holy Spirit would just move and work and do new things into the spot where there came a spot where I felt like I could experience God for my own. A spot where I felt like God was stirring and saying, something about where I'm going with my life is not where he wants me to go. I had a great plan. I had a great future. I was going to make lots of money. I was going to be successful. I was doing really well at college, but God was saying, hey, um, through the Holy Spirit, this little feeling inside of me, this stirring that just goes, you know what? Something's not right. I don't have peace about this. There's just not something that is sitting right. That Holy Spirit inside of me was working and moving and doing something powerful to the spot where they said, hey, change direction and go and try and do this. And the Holy Spirit would put people in my life and things in my life to be able to help me experience him. Riley and I can attest to you, there's been moments where we've been at camp, Lake Geneva, where God just moving and stirring, and we go, how in the world did this happen? And this all came to a head, where last summer, I'm sitting there, and I knew Pastor Chris, my predecessor, was gonna be stepping down. And he had asked me six times, six hey, would you lead the bridge church? And I said every time, no, I won't. I'm not ready. I'm not qualified. I'm not prepared. I can't possibly do this. Yet I'm sitting in the front of the sanctuary and I'm worshiping and I'm praying and I'm doing this stuff with God. And I see four of our students who were this tall. They were shorter than me at one point or another. And now they're way taller than I am. Up at the front, worshiping God. Knowing God, having a relationship with God. And I felt, just like Peter felt, this stirring inside of me that goes, you know what? I felt like God was speaking to me. I felt like He said to me, if you stay, this is what gets to happen. If you stay and you dig in, you're going to continue to see me do miraculous and powerful things. And so as I do that, I turn around, I head back to the back of the sanctuary just to process what I just heard. And I have just tears rolling down my face. And I kind of laid out a fleece to God ultimatum. God, have you ever done that? Like, hey, God, if I really just heard that, I'm need you to just give me like one more little, one little more little symbol here. I almost gave him an ultimatum. I'm like, all right, God, fine, fine. I will do this if my family is going to be Okay. Because I know, God, that before you've called me to be a pastor, you've called me to be a son. And before you've called me to be a pastor, you've also called me to be a good, good father and a good, good husband. So I will do this. My family's going to be okay. And as I'm in the back of this sanctuary, the back of this huge room with hundreds and thousands of teenagers, I go to a spot where no one knows where I am. And as I'm doing there and I'm saying this and I'm praying, God, all right, God. My family's got to be okay. A youth pastor friend of mine who had seen me go back in that moment felt like, hey, I need to go pray for Derek right now. So He follows me. Darn near scares me half to death. <laughs> okay? I'm like praying. I'm like, all right, God, would you be with me? "Oh, okay, what's up, man? And so he says, hey, can I pray for you? For sure. Closed his eyes, bows his head. He says something along the effect of Derek or God... I just pray for Derek's family. Just pray for his wife, and his marriage, and his kids, and that whatever you're calling him to do, that he would step into it with boldness because you've got them covered. This youth pastor didn't know I was about to step into something. This youth pastor didn't know that I was on the cusp of a tough decision. This youth pastor didn't know I had just seconds earlier given God an ultimatum. He had no possible idea that God was doing this thing in my life. He had no idea I was walking through this. But you know who did? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who's alive in me. The Holy Spirit who's alive in him. So when he said, hey, I want you to go and pray for him. I want you to pray for this specific thing. in that moment I had this affirmation that God is real God hears me God understands me and God's got my back so if you're brand new to the Bridge Church you're like this is some deep stuff it's some deep stuff I promise you this is like the deepest I've ever dove in anything like this I promise you if you come back next week we're gonna talk about some really really other cool stuff but before we do as we wrap up a sermon series on the Holy Spirit we don't stop with the Holy Spirit being involved in our church Because the Holy Spirit is the only reason we're here. The Holy Spirit is the only reason how we can have an active, living relationship with God. And yes, there are some gifts, there are some things we can do. Wisdom, knowledge, prophecy. If you want to learn more about those, we have a spiritual gifts test that you can take, all that good stuff with our growth track. But for right here and right now, our church needs to understand that God sees you and understands you the Holy Spirit lives inside of you knows what you're going through and knows how to get you through it so this morning will you pray with me as we wrap up Jesus we thank you God we have some stuff in our life maybe in our past there may be some things that we wrestle with and we struggle with God, there are these things that we just can't really seem to wrap our brains around. But Jesus, thanks to what you did on that cross, Jesus, thanks to who you are and what you've been doing, we can have a fresh and a clean start. And we thank you for that. But God, we also thank you that you gave us this gift of the Holy Spirit who is our advocate, who cares for us, who knows us, knows exactly what we're going through and is not far away, but is near and close. So God, today I just pray that those in this room would experience your Holy Spirit. They would feel and know that you were alive, that you were active and you care for them. God, you're doing something in this community. You're doing something in this world. We just pray, Jesus that you would stir us to step into something that's unknown. As you're leading us and guiding us and directing us, would you help us to be bold and courageous as you lead us and direct us? We thank you, God, for what you're doing in this place. Would you have your way in our church, in our community, in our lives? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.